Right, so we talk about this new motto proprio by Pope Francis, Traditionis Custodes, on the use of the Roman liturgy prior to the reform of 1970. Uh, we try to see what happened first and then also to look at uh, motu proprio itself to see that in itself there are some conflicts within the text, the juridical text, which make the whole thing unclear in a way. And also it is <coughs> painful to, to receive such a document by the Supreme Pontiff which is unfortunately not aiming at uniting the Church, but at uh, provoking a new schism, or better, not directly a schism, but uh, a division, to even mark more this division already uh, existing and uh, causing a lot of distress to the whole Church, and especially to these uh, many people, that are very affectionate to the Latin Mass. Right, what happened? You know, last uh, 16th of July, Pope Francis published, soon after being released from the hospital, uh, this new document, uh, Guardians of the Tradition, literally translated the Latin title, uh, which makes reference to the bishops as those who are the guardians of tradition. So, since they are the guardians of traditions, they have been entrusted with this important task to basically reduce as much as, as possible the, holy, the Latin Mass in their diocese, to be those in charge of giving or not. Better not to give, but of giving the authorization for the celebration and also those who are now uh, uh, empowered with the task to not to create any other, not to erect any parish, Latin rite, uh, Latin mass parish and uh, not to favor basically any other group uh, aiming at willing to celebrate this Mass. The problem is already with the title, as Guardians of the Tradition, but what is tradition then? In this case, tradition seems only what starts with Vatican II and goes forward. Tradition, it seems, begins with Vatican II and with <coughs> only the new Missal, the Missal of Paul the sixth, but uh, if this is the case, they are guardians of a partial tradition, a tradition that it is not the whole life of the Church. That's why I would say that modern guardians of the tradition, we should speak of soldiers of the tradition, those bishops who have been now entrusted with like with uh, uh, like military people to fight against those who try to come closer to the Latin mass, ready to shoot with their gun uh, on. Okay, 
this is <clears throat> anyway a little bit of history to understand what happened with this motu proprio the history is goes back to 2007 when pope benedict the 16th issued uh, the motu proprio summorum pontificum basically this one is a way to abrogate completely and substantially that motu proprio benedict's motu proprio to repeal it and uh, to replace it with a new law the motu proprio is an intervention personal intervention of the pope which has the authority of a law it becomes a law since it is issued personally by the pope benedict in the uh, in 2007 gave you may remember gave that summorum pontificum for trying to uh, regain this unity liturgical unity within the church which unity is, is the expression of the unity of faith? The liturgy manifests the church of the, the, the faith of the church. Lex credendi, lex orandi. The law of faith is the law of uh, prayer and vice versa. The law of prayer is the law of faith. So they are both entwined and they are very much connected so that we pray what we believe and we believe what we pray. We pray to believe even more and uh, we uh, believe to pray, to worship God. So the liturgy is really the very soul of the church. It's the expression of the dogma believed and uh, uh, handed on basically through the tradition of the church this is the lex orandi we come back to this concept because uh, the very first article of this motu proprio by pope francis says that the lex orandi is expressed uniquely by the the, the new missal issued by paul the sixth but anyway we come back to this uh, benedict then issued this motu proprio sumborum pontificum which uh, had uh, quite a, a significant uh, uh, opposition among the bishops. Uh, but uh, the very aim of that motto proprio was to, as I said, to reconcile uh, the church from within because uh, there was still a division and division uh, caused basically by uh, two missiles, which were uh, basically just opposed, and uh, and de facto, in fact, the missile of Saint Pius the Fifth, the Tridentine missile, issued by Saint Pius the Fifth in 1570, was uh, was uh, considered. Uh, no longer in use though it was not formally canonically abrogated by Paul VI when he issued a new Roman Missal in 1970 but de facto in fact that previous Missal was considered uh, as abrogated no longer in use Benedict in uh, writing to the bishops 
in writing a letter by which he accompanied that decision, wrote that the missile, the previous missile, was never abrogated. The John, the, when I mean the new, the, the old missile, I mean Saint Pius the Fifth missile, lately uh, revised by John the Twenty Third in 1962. So basically, we have 1962 missile, and we have the 1970 missile, the Roman, the old Roman right missile, and then the new, the Novus Ordo Misse, which is the missile of Paul the Sixth. Benedict said that that previous missile was never was not abrogated, and uh, he added also that it was necessary to give the opportunity to use uh, without any permission that missile because what is sacred, what has been sacred for generations before us cannot immediately become something even dangerous for the life of the Church or considered such uh, as such, something dangerous for the life of the Church, like a threat to the liturgy, a threat to the life of the Church. What is sacred before is sacred for us as well. And only if we gain this uh, continuity back, if we see that there is this continuity in the liturgy with no break between what is prayed before what is prayed after, basically after Vatican II and before Vatican II, we can have that internal reconciliation in the Church, which is unfortunately uh, not uh, present yet. Uh, <clears throat> the motu proprio was a little bit, of course, had some difficulties to be put into practice. We know all the difficulties, but the, the aim of the motu proprio was, of, of course, the formula found by Benedict to say that now, from that moment onward, there were two forms of the only of the only right of the only Roman right, an extraordinary extraordinary one, the Latin Mass, Tridentine Mass, and the ordinary ordinary one, the Novus Ordo Missae. Of course, that formula was not so happy, but the Pope himself was conscious that. Uh, it was a kind of uh, short-term uh, solution to have two forms of the only one uh, Roman rite. Uh, it was a kind of experiment to see, especially to favor for the time being, this mutual enrichment of two missiles, basically to bring the old missile back into action to give all priests the possibility to celebrate that missile, according to that missile, without any specific indult or permission by the bishop. So the aim was to favor the use of that missile, so that by that mutual enrichment, especially the, the sacredness delivered by that missile, could could be seen by everyone, especially by the the Novus Ordo 
people, so to say, the Novus Ordo parishes, and also vice versa, to uh, to benefit also from in the new mass from that old missal and that uh, uh, liturgy, that uh, very traditional liturgy. So the aim of the motto, the first motto proprio, was to try to uh, favor this liturgical unity. And we should say that that motto proprio was successful in many ways. In my opinion, and according to my own experience, as parish priest for quite a few years, uh, trying to to favor that mutual enrichment of two missiles, the, the motto proprio was successful, in fact. First, because many other people came to know the Latin Mass and came to participate in the Latin Mass, especially in parishes where both Masses were celebrated. It happened very often that some of the new con- of the Novus Ordo congregation came to know the old mass and came to participate to the old old mass. And of course, the rule of the old mass, which is the the, the tradition of the church, was also a kind of uh, canon to also, mm, uh, in, in a way, teaching the novus ordo people how to be at mass, how to understand the mass as a sacrifice. The accent is on the sacrifice, on the on the centrality of Christ, rather than on the people, on the understanding of everything, on the way to dialogue with the priest. And the priest also having always his mic on and preaching all the time with two, three homilies and uh, explanations and so on. So it was... Mm, of it was beneficial to have that enrichment so this the the the, mot- the first motto proprio was successful because because uh, people who had no connection with traditional and already set up communities uh, with no uh, link with uh, all other problems attached to these communities, such as the controversy on Vatican II, uh, the true pope, possibly the sede vacantism for some communities and so on, people who had no link with these communities, fresh people, so to say, fresh blood was put in. And, uh, and this was the aim of the motto proprio, to, to let other people see the beauty of the liturgy and experience the beauty of this uh, missal and the mass according to this missal. And also we should say that during this pandemic and lockdown, uh, many other people have come to know the Latin mass, especially online with the live stream. They have seen the difference between the two masses and people have discovered through the live stream the, 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 the old mass and also for the fact that in the new mass normally communion was imposed 
in the hand, a people were not keen on receiving that Holy Communion in the hand, have come to know the Latin Mass and the possibility to receive Holy Communion as uh, in, the, in the most perfect way on the tongue while kneeling. So there are, uh, there are good fruits, of course. And it seems now that because of all these good fruits, the Pope is, this Pope, Francis, is a little bit worried and uh, uh, he's trying to stop this uh, good effect of the motto proprio. Saying that uh, according to this survey, which is, of course, I think partial, he has come to know that... Uh, most of the people who go to this Mass are against the Novus Ordo Mass, against the Pope, against the liturgy, and is worried about this. Uh, in fact, some of the bishops who have come to make a, who have made a, a public statement about their reaction, say that they didn't know about this uh, letter by the Pope. One of these Bishop, surprisingly, is Bishop is Cardinal Gregory of Washington, who is a friend of the Pope, but apparently he said that he didn't know that the Pope was going to issue such a restrictive document, and according to what I read, he's going to favor the Mass, in any case, to leave things as they are in his diocese. And this is very surprising, because... He's supposed to be a close friend of Francis, as well as a friend of Mr. Biden. Uh, this just to say that uh, these informations uh, given to the Pope seem to be a little bit unilateral. And uh, uh, in any case, as Cardinal Mueller has commented, uh, People around the world are not expecting the Pope to express his personal worries or ideas, but they want to know objectively what is uh, important to know. But it seems in any case that the Pope and uh, his uh, entourage, his people around him are worried that this Mass is getting on well and the people are coming to celebrate according to this mass and they want to stop it. They want to limit any further damage of this mass. Because if we read the document, the motto proprio and the letter accompanying it, it is clear that the, the main the, the mens the mind of this document is to limit uh, the mass and uh, to wait to facilitate the disappearance of this mass. Uh, the, the extinction of this celebration. Now, this is a little bit of history to give you a kind of idea of what happened with Benedict, what is happening now with this new motu proprio. All right? Now we can pass to examine some of the main uh, conflicts, if you want, within the the motu proprio itself. <clears throat> I don't know whether you read it, but uh, 
just in brief, this motu proprio uh, gives the bishops the, pos- the faculty to authorize the mass, but the mass that is going on already, while new masses have to be stopped, not to be given, because new groups have not to be formed and uh, to be, of course, discouraged from asking for this mass. And also, uh, the bishop is in charge, but he is not fully in charge, since behind the bishop there is always Francis' hand or shadow. <laughs> because especially with new, with new priests ordained who wished to celebrate according to this missal, before grant, they have to write a special request, but before granting that permission, the bishop has to consult the Holy See. So, in other, in other words, the bishops are discouraged from authorizing a new priest ordained who, wish, who wishes to possibly celebrate also according to this, to this missal. Uh, one word ag- about the groups. Uh, the bishop has the task to determine that these groups do not deny the validity and legitimacy of the liturgical reform. Uh, and then he has to discourage, discourage the formation of new groups. But uh, this is also in a way against canon law. It is against the right of the faithful to come together and to associate in uh, groups because the canon law has, uh, recognizes the possibility for the faithful to come together and to be in an association, to form an association such as Day with, Ma- Day with Mary Association. It is an association, it is a communion of people, a group of people sharing the same ideal, the same prayer and so on, the same apostolate, and they have the right to be together and to work together for the glory of God and the Immaculate. That's why canon law gives you the possibility to associate and to follow together this. Uh, and you as a, as a group uh, could also, according to canon law, choose to have as your regular mass, of course, the Latin mass. This, is, this depends on the priest, but you as a group could request it, ideally, because this is a request of the faithful. But now, with this new disposition, this is completely denied. So basically, it is denied the faculty, the, the, the right of the faithful to gather and to pursue together the same, same ideal of life, of Christian life. Now, uh, one point which is very striking and uh, requires some attention because it seems this is the most conf- uh, conflicting <coughs> one, is the Article 1 of the motu proprio, the Article 1 
which says that uh, the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II are the unique expression of the Lex Orandi of the Roman Rite. Here we go. We come back to the concept of Lex Orandi. What does Lex Orandi mean? Lex Orandi literally is the law of prayer. And the famous saying, an old one, is Lex Credendi, Lex Orandi. Uh, formerly said, Lex Credendi, Statuat Legem Supplicandi. The law of faith establish, uh, establishes the law of prayer. Uh, and then, of course, we can so say also vice versa, the law of prayer is the expression of the law of faith. But lex credendi statuat legem supplicandi. The law of faith establishes the law of prayer. Because we pray what we believe. And we believe to pray more. Right. But in this way, now, only the new missal is the expression of the lex orandi. Uh, this is problematic. The Lex Orandi seems starts with the Missal of Paul VI. And what about the, the prayer of Padre Pio? To just give you an example. Padre Pio of Pietrelcina, who said until the end of his life, the old Mass. Did he not pray anymore according to the Lex Orandi of the Church? So it's, it's a big restriction to say that Lex Orandi is expressed only by this Missal, which is the product of the liturgy and the Sacrosanctum Concilium, the vision of Vatican II. And what about everything which is before Vatican II? Automatically, is no longer the expression of the Lex Orandi of the Church. But in this case... The majority of our saints have got it wrong. And uh, the problem is they might have got it uh, uh, also right. But the problem is that if we now have to start thinking that the only Lex Orandi is this missile, we have now, we are completely separated from the church from the church that was yesterday, from the, this multitude of the saints that have prayed according to this missal. So that unity fostered by Benedict XVI is again a disunity, is again something which is a contrast between today and yesterday, between today's prayer of the church and the prayer that has just been done yesterday by all, all these people, all Christians and uh, the saints in a special way, uh, saints. So this is very problematic that uh, the Lex Orandi is now shrinking and uh, the only expression is the new Missal. But there is also, I would say, a canonical problem, a canon law issue here. 
And uh, But in this way, you can also see the mens of the document, the mind behind it. The problem is, uh, the Mass is still possible to be celebrated as long as you get an authorization of your bishop. All right? So I can be authorized by my bishop to still celebrate this Mass. But a Mass which is no longer the expression of the Lex Orandi of the Church. Why should I be authorized since the Mass is no longer the expression of the Lex Orandi of the Church? This means that the authorization is a favor granted to the priest, but a favor that for the time being, for a very short time, so to say, because the very hope of the document is to extinguish completely this this uh, favor and to and this right of th- this possibility of the priest uh, to celebrate according to this mission but per se even now in this present moment if again this mission is no longer the expression of the faith of the church and then of the legs of the prayer of the church. Why should I celebrate? In that, in that case, if I have the authorization and still celebrate, I am in any case always someone uh, taken by nostalgia, but in a, in, in, in a way outside the church, outside the church as understood by this motto proprio, the church that begins, in fact, with Vatican too. Is that true? But this conflict shows the mind of the document, but also another problem. The problem that is now uh, kind of hidden, uh, buried, but it comes now to be manifested, that is the conflict that is now uh, reopening between the old missile and the new missile. Because on the one hand, this motu proprio doesn't say that the document, that the missile of John Twenty-Third has been abrogated, and it doesn't say anything about that missile. And of course the Pope cannot abrogate that missile, as Paul VI as well uh, did. He did not abrogate it. Uh, but while Francis doesn't say anything, in fact he considers that missile as no longer in use because replaced by the new missile. But now Benedict said that that missile has not been abrogated. Francis says de facto it has. Who is right? Who we should uh, listen to? Is there any principle to sort out this very central problem, the problem of the conflict between two missiles, which are now again just opposed, with no chance to make them dialogue and find a way together, way forward, together for the Church, for the unity of the faithful? You see, in this way, this wound is reopened, reopened, the wound of having two different missiles with no way to make them 
dialogue and find a possible way forward for the church. Uh, this is very, very complex, a complex issue. But of course, you understand that by issuing such a document, the unity of the church is not fostered. Despite all the words uh, written saying that the only reason why the Pope is moved to issue such a document is the unity of the church. But in this way, in fact, the unity is broken again. And the problem is, who is right then? Benedict, who said that the Missal has not been abrogated, or Francis, who says that uh, the only Mass, the Catholic Mass, is the Novus Ordo Mass. Now we need a principle that is above the two persons of the Popes. We need a principle which is prior to this decision, and this is the very neglected principle that has caused such a mess. The principle is the, the traditio apostolica, the apostolic tradition. What is the apostolic tradition? What does tradition mean? Because if we look at the motu proprio, tradition means exclusively this time, today, the Church of Pope Francis. The church that began with Vatican II issued the new missal and the church of Francis that has said this is the only missal available. So it is a way to uh, confine this tradition to only uh, this time. But is this tradition? No. Of course tradition is... Vatican II and the successive magisterium. But in order to have the Vatican II council, you need the whole previous councils. And also Vatican II does not absorb in itself all other previous councils. Vatican II doesn't have in itself the whole doctrine of the Council of Trent, for example, or the whole doctrine of but the first Vatican Council, which immediately preceded that council. So it is not correct to say that uh, tradition, since Vatican II is the latest expression of a solemn uh, con con uh, concilia magisterium, it is the last and is the, the only measure of faith for the tradition it is not correct so tradition is not what is happening today what is present tradition is also the continuity from the apostles from Jesus Christ through the apostles through their successors up to now with no break uh, there is a principle stated by Saint Vincent of Lorraine in France, who says that tradition is what is believed always, everywhere and by everyone. Always, everywhere, by everyone. So you see universality. Uh, uh, everywhere, by everyone, and uh, in... Uh, 
uh, and uh, always. This means that there must be no uh, interruption but a continuity from the first council to the last from the from the apostles to the present bishops. So this means that a missal that expresses this continuity, which is the missal of Pius V, which is the liturgical expression of this dogmatic continuity, cannot cannot be uh, suddenly uh, condemned to die. Because if we condemn that missal to die, we basically condemn tradition itself to die. And we exclude this continuity of tradition to focus exclusively on the tradition as it appears today. But even if we make an analogy with a tree, for example, a fruit tree, if you want to to pick a fruit from the tree, you don't need only that fruit. You have the fruit if you have the tree. If you have the roots, if you have the trunk, if you have the branches, if you have the leaves and so on. And you have the fruit only if you have the tree. But you don't, when you pick the fruit from the tree, you don't say that that fruit is the tree itself. It is the very final uh, product of that Uh, life of the tree but in order to have that fruit you have to 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 look after the the tree itself Uh, and then to to take care of the roots of the life of the tree and of the good health of the tree otherwise you cannot have any of this fruit so this means that tradition is an organic process okay and uh, in order to have this organic process, we need this uh, continuity without uh, abolishing uh, after the blue uh, any moment of this continuity, which is not only a historical moment, but it is a doctrinal moment. Doctrine which is handed on through history, of course, through the councils, through the statements, pronouncements of the magisterium, but with no interruption. So, this is the principle that we need to sort out the problem. Who is right, Benedict or Francis? Is right the one who ensures the Church, uh, make, make us the one who uh, gives us this continuity and uh, says that uh, presents us the, the, the missile that is the expression of this uninterrupted tradition of the church. So uh, we need still this dialogue between the two missiles. We need still to be faithful to the old missile because the old missile, and this is a fact, Contrafactum non valet argumentum, the Latins say. You cannot oppose an argument against a fact, against an evidence. The evidence is that uh, from Pius V 
up to John the twenty third, and up to now there is no break in that missal. But it is not correct to just start with Pius V, who, of course, gave the missal, but he did not make the missal. The missal was a revision of the missal of the Roman Curia already existing. Of course, uh, taking out some of possible erroneous prayers and so on. But the missal, the structure and the missal as such was already existing before and it has roots in the apostolic time and also very much rooted in the patristic uh, age. So the evidence says then that this missal, Tridentine missal, is the expression of this uninterrupted tradition of the Church. While the new missal is, as Benedict the Sixteenth said, the fruit, the work of some experts who made, in fact, a new missal. But uh, and the new missal is is evident from the fact that if you compare the two missals and uh, you don't have the same press you don't have this even the same structure such as for example the offertory that's why the dialogue between the two missals is still important to see whether the new missal actually is fully expressing this uninterrupted continuous tradition or not and possibly to come to amend the new missal. It was already the effort of uh, Josef Ratzinger, if you remember, he spent much of his time to and to study the liturgy and to write about the importance of liturgy and he came up with this solution, the reform of the reform, now ultimately all also sponsored by Cardinal Sara. It is important to reform the reform of Vatican II, to reform the Missal of Paul VI, which can be a solution, even though it is something very difficult uh, to, to manage. But in any case, just to say that uh, uh, the new Missal needs some, some attention, because uh, first for his short life, and also for the fact that... Uh, it is not the expression of this continuous perennial tradition of the Church. So, to conclude this, uh, uh, this Traditionis Custodes is quite a difficult, uh, it's a bombshell of course, and uh, it's difficult to understand why. It has been issued this way so drastic, so restrictive of the freedom of the priest and the people, the faithful. It seems that there is not that uh, mercy towards this sheep and the, past, the, the, the shepherd hasn't that smell of the sheep. He should always be enriched by and uh, it seems also that the shepherd is not now uh, leading the sheep, but it is rather beating them up with his stick, using the stick to beat the sheep and to say, you bad sheep, go, get out. 
go away and find another way to be Catholic outside the church. Of course, it is using a football term. It is a big assist, assist to the society of Pius X, basically. Because another big significant uh, change is the fact that all the traditional communities based exclusively on the old right now have no longer their uh, institution at the Vatican, which was Ecclesia Dei. It has been completely shut down. These All these institutes of traditional right have now to pass under the authority of the congregation for the religious and which means a lot means uh, it might mean what happened to us as well Franciscans of the Immaculate many some years ago to be commissioned and to try to to brainwash them to change their mind and uh, but this means basically that uh, uh, it is a big message sent out saying that the only people who got it right and did the right choice were the people who are canonically per se not in communion with the church the society of Pius X while the society of St. Peter for example Christ the King and uh, the Good Shepherd Institute they who came back to the church and they wanted to be reconciled with the church, they were able to stay in the church, but now they have been pushed out again, unless they accept this and uh, get under the authority of the congregation for religious, which is uh, now acting to reformulate, to use a nice word, religious life, and uh, uh, it's it's a big a big threat. So the 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 shepherd is not acting as a shepherd, but uh, there is big confusion. What to do? We pray, and we uh, we resist as much as we can, because at the end of the day, this mass is not the property of this pope or that pope. It is a missile that has grown with the faith of the church, with the prayer of the church. It is not something made by people, by a special committee of experts. It is the faith of the church and uh, it cannot die out, of course. And we believe that and uh, we pray to St. Pius V to help us keep this uh, important liturgy and prayer of the Church. Amen.